Abundance of love Abundance of grace Now to that cross You took my place Oh God You take my ransom Abundant Life Christian Fellowship Church. Loving God, loving people. Now, here's Pastor Scott. In Luke chapter 14, verse 16, the Bible says, Then said he unto him, A certain man made a great supper and invited many, and sent his servant at supper time to say to them that were invited, Come, for all things are now ready. And they all with one consent began to make excuse. The first said unto him, I have bought a piece of ground, and I must needs go and see it. I pray thee, have me excused. And another said, I have bought five yoke of oxen, and I go to prove them. I pray thee, have me excused. And another said, I have married a wife, and therefore I cannot come. So that servant came and showed his Lord these things. Then the master of the house, being angry, said to his servant, go out quickly into the streets and the lanes of the city. And bring in hither the poor, the maimed, and the halt, and the blind. And the servant said, Lord, it is done as thou hast commanded, and yet there is room. And the Lord said to the servant, Go out into the highways and hedges and compel them to come in, that my house may be filled. I want to preach to you this morning from a sermon titled, It's Time to Fill This House. Pray with me. God, thank you for your word. Lord, I thank you so much for each person that's come out today, God, and I pray that you would speak to us. I pray that you would encourage our hearts, teach us what you would have us to know in Jesus' name. Amen. I've been talking to you guys a lot over the last couple of years about pruning. Now, um, has anybody noticed azaleas bloomed early this year? Anybody, Anybody notice that? Lots of these pink flowers growing. Azaleas are very, very pretty for about nine days out of the year. You ever notice that? If you live in North Florida, you understand. For, for, the, for the other 50 weeks, it's just brown sticks and, and green leaves. But the azaleas are blooming, and when, when I see flowers blooming, I'll often think about the biblical process of pruning. And you got to cut some stuff back to let some stuff grow properly, right? And that's true in the church world. And the Bible says that there is a time for tearing down, and there is a time for building up. And I knew that there were some people that were in the Lord's church that were sent here as spies that were sent. And there's still some spies in the room. You know who you are. But there were too many of them. And the Lord had me preaching messages that would give them an easy out to get out the side door or the other side door or not even show up. One of my early mentors, uh, pastor uh, of the First Baptist Church, Dr. Homer G. Lindsey, Jr., would teach every year at the pastor's conferences that uh, bad church members are either like weeds or like stumps. Some you can pull out easy, some you have to blast out. Uh, we, we've been ha- doing a pulling out pruning process, a blasting out pruning process, and at the turn of this year, I, I told you I believe it's time to go into our blooming time. It's time to begin to grow. There's a time to pull back and there's a time to advance, the Bible says, And I believe that this message is timely, and I want you to hear the word of the Lord. Let me just ask you this this morning. How many of you think, as Christians, we should invite people to church? Anybody? Okay, now I don't want want you to raise your hand, 
uh, but I want you to think about it. How many people did you invite this week? Oh, it's so quiet. You could hear a roach poot. That's funny right there. Y'all act like it's not. But the personal invitation still gets more results. It's proven. A personal invitation to someone that you know gets more results getting people into church than all of the social media, memes, posts, billboards, digital advertising, mail-outs, the personal People, I don't know about your mailbox. I don't even check my, I check my mail maybe once a week. I empty out the mailbox just because it's full. Why is it full? Nobody mails me anything that I want. Do you get that? Papers and, and, and thick cardboard cards, dent, dentists and all. People spend so much money on that, and churches do it because they see all these other people doing it. But it's that personal invitation that is proven under research to get more results than all that other stuff added together. Here's a statistic. I'm going to throw some stats at you, then we're going to get into the word. 86% of people who are in church were personally invited by someone they knew. I don't know what your story is right now. I don't know who invited you to come to Abundant Life. I, I highly doubt that you drove past 4401 Georgetown Drive on your way to anything and said, oh, there's a church right there with, with a bad parking lot and an old building. I sure would love to go there. That's probably not. But when a friend invites a friend, a family member invites a family member, the majority of people would say they will come. Uh, I forget what the stat is, but it's upwards of 90% say that if a family member or a friend invited them, here's the catch, on a special service day that they'd come. But because we've invited people and they haven't come, here's what happens to most Christians. They quit inviting. They're like, I've already invited everybody I know. Uh, well, there's some things that we need to do because God said that we need to go out and compel them to come in. Let me hit you with a couple more of these stats. Gallup Polling Survey Company is the longest standing of note survey company in the country. And when they first started measuring church attendance in 1937, over 75% of Americans went to church every Sunday. Uh, how many of y'all know America's a different place in 2023 than it was in 1937? And not always for the better. Lots of things have gotten better. Lots of things still need work. But uh, church attendance has only been going one way since 1937. Uh, through, through the year 2000, so that's 63 years of them taking this survey every year, it only dropped from 75 to 70. It took 63 years to drop five percentage points. That's less than one percentage point a decade. But now it's dropping more than one percentage point a year. And sometimes much, much more. Um, in 2010, church attendance, according to Gallup polling, was down to 61%. By 2020, it was down to 47%. And that's not just Christians. I'll, I'll read this stat. Right, I copied and pasted it. In 2020, only 47% of Americans reported having any type of attendance to a church, synagogue, or mosque. And that was a drop from 2018's figure of 50%. Uh, just in two years, it dropped 3%. Now, here, here's what I read in deeper results. How many of y'all know that uh, figures don't lie, but liars can figure? 
You can make statistics say pretty much what you want it to say. And if you dig deeper into these church statistics, let me, let me tell you something. Half America ain't in church today. I can, I can guarantee you that. I, you can drive past your neighbor's house. You can look at the traffic on Sunday morning and find out that half America is not in church today. And I hadn't heard this term before, but it made a lot of sense to me. They say these numbers are drastically inflated due to the sociological phenomenon called the halo effect. And they say the halo effect impacts every survey because people give answers to make themselves look better than they really are. They, uh, they say that they, they go when they really don't. They say that they do when they really don't. And the in-depth study gives a much different look, and it's probably more in line with what you see in your family and friends, in your coworkers, that less than 20% of Americans are currently actively involved in going to church. From 75%, because, you know, grandmom and granddad, great-great-grandmom didn't have to lie about whether or not she went to church. She was there. But now it's fallen all the way down to 20%, and I want you to know this is an American problem. This is a United States of America problem. You say, well, what do you mean, Pastor Scott? Why do you say this is an American problem? Because in other countries around the world, Christianity is advancing. In other countries around the world, Christianity is growing. I'll give you from the first continent in Africa. Listen to this. In 1990 or in 1900, there were 8.7 million Christians people who claim Christianity on the entire continent of Africa. We're talking about over a billion people. Do you know how small America is compared to Africa in size and in population? Do you know? People could get this in their mind that America runs everything and America is big. Uh, there, there's, well, there's 10 times as many people just in China and Africa as there are in America but there were only 8 million people claiming Christianity in Africa 100 years ago. Uh, right now, there are over 390 million people. That's more people than live in the United States. 390 million people on the continent of Africa boldly declare their Christianity, walk to church, sing for hours without air conditioning and electricity, and worship God every Sunday morning on the continent of Africa. While it's declining in America, nations around the world that don't have the comforts that we have, that don't have TV and beaches and money to go spend, that have found that God is a better way, are going. Listen to the expectation, and man, I hope this happens. Africa is on track right now as a continent to... Uh, by 2025, in two years, have over 600 million Christians on the continent of Africa. That's almost half of the people in the entire continent, which is about twice as many people as there are in America. So this is an American problem. Why, why would it be so drastic in America? Why is America giving up on God? Why do people in America not go to church when, when church is growing in Africa? Well, I hinted at it a moment ago. When you don't have anything else, you turn to God. When, 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 when life isn't easy for you, you turn to God. How many of y'all know in, in times of great peril, people flocking to the church? Life's too easy in America. Some of y'all that are young, uh, and, and I'm not saying it doesn't take effort. 
I'm going to miss Seth when he moves out eventually one day because then I'm going to have to figure out how to do the dishes myself. <laughs> Good news is we don't eat at home, so I think I'll survive. Uh, but I understand there, there's a slight amount of work, but some of y'all are old enough. I know my mom's old enough. Some of you are old enough that you had mothers or grandmothers that when they said, uh, I got to uh, I gotta wash clothes tomorrow, you know what they were doing all day tomorrow? Washing clothes. They didn't mean I got to throw them in the washing machine and push a button, huh, Mom? Out there on a washboard. What? There's my mom just doing this. And, and here's the reality. Do you know that in the majority of the over 200 countries that are in the world right now, people still wash clothes? Now, I'm not saying you got it too easy, but come on now. When you say, I, I, boy, I spent all day washing dishes and, and, and washing laundry, eh, you pushed a few buttons. I get that. You loaded a plate. Uh, but we've got it so easy in America, we get a headache. Now, I hope you're the exception, but I know the majority of people, you get a headache, you, you run to the counter. You got BC, you got Advil, you got Tylenol, you got Motrin, you got Excedrin PM, you got extra strength migraine. Man. Listen, in other places in the world, you know what they do when their head hurts? They pray, and they ask the mighty physician to heal them. I'm not bashing uh, all aspirin, but I am saying America has been so soft, and soft times make soft people, and hard times make strong people. And hard times make people lean on the Lord. Christians only make up only about 20% of Americans attend church on a regular basis. Uh, but 51% of people part surveyed in this country claim to be born again. Now I'm thinking, come on. How can only 20% of the people go to church, but 51% of the people claim that they are Christians if they don't come back? I want to tell you something. When I saw you walk in the door, bro, it blessed my heart because it, 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 it made me feel so good to see you back in the house of the Lord. And I'm not picking on you, and I don't mean to, uh, to call you out like this, but I just want to share with you guys. And y- y'all, y'all saw it last week. This young man stood up, and, and, and he wasn't ashamed to say he prayed to receive Christ as his Savior. Anybody remember that? Amen. But let me tell you this, bro. I've seen tens of thousands of people do that on a Sunday morning and never come back to church one time. See, here's what is, is, it gives me hope. Some, somebody makes a decision for Christ, and the very next opportunity they get on a Sunday, they're back in the Lord's church. Man, I love you already, and I thank God for you, your family. Come on, give God praise for people who are serious about being serious. We got so much dragging us away. Um, churches used to have church on Sunday night. Uh, but even churches that used to have church on Sunday night, well, they weren't having it during the Super Bowl or the playoffs. You know why? Church has fallen down in the American mindset. And the present trend, experts say that if the present trends continue, by 2040, there'll be less than 10% of the people in America going to church. Now, church isn't the solution to everything. Okay, because you can come to church and not be a Christian. Come to church don't make you a Christian. No more than sitting in a garage makes you a car. But people who really love the Lord follow what the lifestyle of Jesus. And Jesus went to church, so we ought to go to church too. Fifty-one percent of Americans claim to be Christians and say they should share uh, their faith with other people, but less than one percent of people are actively involved in telling other people about Christ. But here's the reality: What happens when you invite people to come to church? Somebody tell us. Do they come? 
No, mostly they don't. That's why some of your testimony is, uh, I know I'm supposed to, and I've invited everybody I know, and they just don't come to church. So what should we do? I mean, is, is the system broken? Does it not work? Listen, if the plan isn't working, there's got to be more to it than we're doing because I want you to hear this if you don't hear anything else. God's plan always works. God said to tell them to come. If you tell them to come and they don't come, that's not the end of it. And we get this teaching today as the Lord taught this parable of the dinner. And I've told you many times we're a Bible teaching church. We study the Bible a lot at Abundant Life. It's the only textbook that we have. And when there is a parable the, 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 the trick is not to fall into the trap of trying to assign value. Because here's what a parable is. Basically, it's an earthly story with a heavenly meaning. And it talks about a certain man did this with a certain thing over here. And people try to figure out what all these different pieces mean. Somebody that's been around for a while tell us, how many points does a parable typically try to make? Just one. Don't get caught up in all the little side antics. Well, what did the donkey represent? The donkey's not, not paramount to the story. Don't, don't miss the major by focusing on the minor. So we're going to look at this parable. I'm going to do a little teaching this morning. In our opening verse, Luke 14, 16, the Lord said, Then he said unto him, and here comes the parable, a certain man. You know it's a parable when it starts like that. This is a story. It's not a historical event. It is it's, it's a metaphorical analogy. It's a parable. Uh, the word parable comes from the Greek word parabole, which means to lay two things side by side and to compare them. So we get these earthly stories, and we need to see heavenly meanings out of them. So he starts the way a good parable starts. A certain man made a great supper and invited many. Now let's play this out. Let's see who's paying attention. Who do you think the certain man is? God. Okay, so in this story, the certain man is God. And who did he invite according to the last word on the screen? So God has invited many to come to this celebration. In verse 17, the Bible says, And he sent his servant at supper time to say to them that were invited, Come, for all things are now ready. Somebody take a a stab at who the servants are us. So God has set the table. He's invited lots of people and he tells us to go out and let them know, hey, y'all need to come. Starts at 1030. Y'all need to show up. We're going to be celebrating the one true and living God. In verse 18, it says, and they all with one consent began to make excuse. Now the they here are the people that are getting invited. This is our friends, our neighbors, our relatives, our co-workers, people off social media, anybody that we can invite. Um, excuses, listen, there have always been excuses to why people won't do the right thing. That's why it caught fire when Spike Lee said, just do the what? Just do the right thing. We desperately need to see people do the right thing, but people love to make excuses. And we got three excuses here. And inside parables, they're representative of what's going on outside the parable. The first said to him, I've bought a piece of ground. I must need to go see it. I pray thee, have me 
excused. And if you ever invite somebody to church, you ought to write down all the wild excuses you hear. This one right here might be the, the, the cake taker. This, this might be at the top of the list. He said, I bought a piece of ground, and I must go see. You ever bought a piece of ground you hadn't seen yet? Mm. Who, who sang that song, Rick? Uh, they lie in your face. All the time, they want to take your place. Who? Really? Is that right? Who? Yeah. I never even heard of the dramatics. But I'm going to look that up. But either way, do you know people will lie to you? Okay. Uh, I I, I hold on to that. Uh, Let's move on, though. But the moral of the story is, won't they lie? Invite somebody to come. Some, oh, you know, I can't come because, uh, you know, my, 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 I was going to give my cat a bath that day. Um, cats bathe themselves. I can't come because my grandchild is having a birth. You don't even have children. I mean, stop lying. He said, I, I, I bought a piece of ground and I got to go look. I got to go see. And the text in the original language uh, is, is in, in the uh, tense that they haven't seen it yet and they need to go look at what they bought. I want to tell you something. If you're the kind of person that buys land without looking at it, see me after church. I'll pretend I got some land you can buy as long as you agree to give me the money before you go see it. I pray thee have me excused. Everybody has got some kind of excuse. So the first excuse was this piece of ground. Now, what it represents is places. Say places. I can't go to church Sunday, you know, we're playing golf. I can't go to church Sunday, we got a thing at work. I can't go to church Sunday, uh, we, you know, we're going to the beach. I can't go to church Sunday, the game's coming on. Uh, places, places where people go that keep them away from church. In verse 19, another said, I bought five yoke of oxen, and I go to prove them. I pray thee, have me excused. Uh, The second excuse was ox or oxen, and this represents things. Say things. Now, here's the reality. You imagine somebody saying, uh, hey, just want to invite you to come to church Sunday. Oh, no, I can't come to church Sunday. I bought a new puppy, and, you know, I got got to train my puppy at home. Uh, Okay, if you got to be there every minute of the day, you bought the wrong puppy, and you leave to go to work for eight hours a day, how can you not leave to come to church for a couple hours? Hmm. Y'all, I'm preaching better than y'all staring at me, but this second excuse represents things. Verse 20, another said, I have married a wife, and therefore I cannot come. Now, of all the excuses, this is probably, you know, a little more legit than the rest of them. <laughs> you know, some, some, of, you, some of you brothers, y'all, 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 it's so frustrating to try to get here on time because that wife's so slow. Uh, you're like, I just ain't even going, man. Forget that. And I know, before you yell at me and throw anything, cuss me out in your mind, uh, there's some dudes that change clothes three times. Uh, we just, you know, uh, and, and are slow. And you're sitting there waiting on them like, tick-tock, brother, tick-tock. Charity's laughing right. Rick, what's she saying about you, bro? Oh, she just side-eyed him too. Come on, I'm going to keep going. We don't need no divorce in the Lord's church. But he said, hey, bro, I just got married, you know. I can't. Uh, just, just married a wife. I can't come. I'm going to tell you this. 
if you're married or you ever thought about getting married or you ever been married or you ever want to be married, you better be in church because relationships are hard. And let me tell you something. The best thing you could do for your spouse, if, if, you're, if you're a woman and you've got a man that you care about, the best thing you can do for him is get his behind in church. Get him around some men that will encourage him not to cheat on you. Get him around some men that will encourage him to pay the bills. Get him around some men that will encourage him to be a man of God. And if you're a man and you've got a woman in your life, the best thing you can do for her is get her in church. Get her around some women who know how to live this life and do what God called them to do. He said, hey, man, I can't. You know, I, I just got married. So the third excuse was a wife, and that represents people. So we got people, places, and what? People, places, and things. That's every excuse there is. Uh, I'd come, but, you know, I was planning on sleeping in. You get up and go to work for the man every day on time. You got one day to be here by 10. We ought to start having church at 8 o'clock in the morning till 5. Oof. Mm, We ain't going to do that. People, places, and things. Now, these are typical excuses we still hear today. Not land, oxen, wives, but people, places, and things keep people away from church. And hear this good. People and places and things will always give you a reason not to come. Yeah, well, my son ain't feeling perfect today. Okay. Hey, you leave him at home to go to work, don't you? Uh, well, my car needs washed. It's been dirty since I met you. What are we talking about? There will always be an excuse for people who are looking for one, especially once you invite them to come to church. Because once you invite them to come to church and they just spout out, oh, okay, and then you walk away, they're like, oh, what did I commit to now? How am I going to get out of that? What excuse am I going to And then they, their mind starts firing like, I can't go to. I remember um, as a teenager uh, in and out of jail, um, this my, my testimony is real. My mama can tell you she's sitting right there. See, I, I didn't have the privilege most pastors have. Most pastors move halfway across the country so they can lie in the pulpit and nobody can put them in check. And they can make out like they were some, you know, uh, low-key gangster and, and when it wasn't really real. My, my mama had, had already told me, and she's a woman of her word. She says what she means to me when she says. She told me after the second time I went to jail, I'll never come get you again, boy. I'm done with you. And the last time I got arrested, I was in jail in St. Augustine, and my mama said, do whatever you want to do with him. I'm not coming to get him. And when I was living that life, I never had a thought about going to church. I wouldn't go, I literally, I was one of those people that felt like if I go into church, God's going to strike with lightning and burn it to the ground. Anybody ever felt that way? I just like, then people don't want to see me showing up in there. Um, I remember Connie was at church um, the first week I went, and I just felt like I was naked in front of everybody because there were people in there like Mike Pelham, and you remember Mike Pelham and what a good guy, morally upright he was. His family was involved in the church. My family was all drug addicts and alcoholics, and I was selling drugs. And Mike Pelham knew I was selling drugs in school. These people knew who I was, and I just felt like they're all looking at me. Anybody ever felt like you're being judged in church? That's why we don't judge people at Abundant Life. Come as you are. That's why I don't wear suits and ties. Come as you are. Uh, One thing I do request, don't come naked. That causes scandal. We don't need that. People love excuses. So what, what, what you've actually done is when you invite somebody to church, you, you've given them an opportunity to come up with an excuse. But does that mean you stop inviting? No. You, you just got to be smarter about it. Uh, we're commanded to invite people. Here's the thing. God told us to invite people. 
He didn't tell us to track our results and give up if we don't like the results. If you invite a 1,000 people and nobody comes, keep inviting. You got to do what you got to do. We're commanded to invite people. Listen to verse 21. So the servant came and showed his Lord these things. Imagine this. A certain man, God, has prepared this big giant meal, celebration, feast festival, and for lots of people, and no one's showing up. Could you imagine having a birthday party for your, your baby, your grandbaby, and you, you invite everybody in their second grade class, and not one person shows up? And you got all that food and two big giant cakes, and this, this is not good, say not good. He goes back and he tells the man, look, this is what it is. Then the master, being angry, said, go out into the streets and the lanes of the city and bring in poor folk. Poor folk, don't, don't, you know, poor, poor folk ain't driving to Jack's Beach on Sunday. Now, they might be hitching a ride with their friend, but they got less excuses. Uh, he said, go get the poor, the maimed, the, the crippled, and the blind. So he says, go out and bring in. Say, bring in. First, they were inviting, but that wasn't working. So they moved from inviting to bringing. God said when they didn't come, go bring in people that will come. So we've got to transition as a church at Abundant Life from inviting to bringing. Because if you invite somebody, you leave it all up to them. Oh, yeah, man, meet me at the church, Uh, 1030 on Sunday. Can you come? Bet. I'll see you there. They ain't about to see you there. They ain't going to have every excuse. The hot water heater broke. They don't even have hot water. I mean, they're just going to come up with any kind of something. And, but when you bring them, you sit in their driveway, honk, honk, and they look out the blinds and then still don't come out, you get out and knock on the door. Say, hey, look, I got the law with me. We're cuffing you up and dragging you in. Bring them gives you a better chance of putting them there. Because if I was lost and you left it up to me to get to church by myself on Sunday, you would never seen me. Putting a responsibility on them allows the enemy to attack them and build them up an excuse. Now look at what kind of people the Lord said to bring. Poor, maimed, halt, and blind. These are poor, hurting people. Poor, hurting people. You realize that we live in a world where rich people think money solves everything? Do you realize more people that are working class to lower class come to church than rich folk? Why? Because rich people trust in their money their education, their fame, their ability. Uh, The rest of us, we know if it had not been for the Lord who was on my side, I'd have been through dealing. And and I'm I'm not saying that no rich people. The Bible says not many mighty, not many noble, not many wise have God called. God chose the lesser things, he says, and that's why I don't believe in proud Christians. If you're a Christian, you've admitted, I couldn't do it on my own and I needed help. Jesus said, go out and get the people uh, that know that they need help. Two things I want you to see about these type of people. Number one, they can't bring themselves. Crippled people, blind people, you, you find some blind, crippled person at 103rd and Blanny and, and try to explain to them where Georgetown Drive is and say, yeah, walk your way up there blind and crippled. Uh, see there? No, that's, that's not even reasonable. These people need help getting there. And the second, not only can they not bring themselves, but they got problems. They've got problems. Now, God is a creator, and the devil's a what? Imitator. 
Everything that God wants to set in order, the devil wants to make crooked. Everything that God wants to establish, the devil wants to tear down. So we've got to be wise about what is really going on. Most churches do not embrace poor people. Am I right or wrong? Most churches don't embrace hurting people. Most, if the average person, think about the average church. Let's just pick whatever church you want to. First Baptist, wherever, First Assembly, any church you want to pick. If somebody walked in homeless, smelling like 12 days of non-showering, vomiting their beard, and just, just, just smelling big of weed, do you think the average church in America is going to embrace them? But come on in. We love you. You're welcome here. Looking down their nose at folk like they never had trouble in their life. Most churches judge this crowd of people, but what did God say? Bring them. Bring them in. So these are people who can't bring themselves. These are people with problems. I want you to understand this. If you don't get anything else, get this. God loves people with problems. Church folk don't always. I, I, I've, had, I've had pastors in this city ask me. They're like, man, Scott, you guys, your church does so much for poor people. You have so many different ways to help poor people. Where? And he asked me this. I almost swallowed my teeth. He said, where do you find all those poor people? This dude's pastoring in Jacksonville, Florida. Hey, he's not in Ponte Vida. Hey, where do you find poor people? I said, if, you're, if you just start inviting them and you love on them when they come, you won't have any problem finding poor people. I had somebody ask me one time. We had a, uh, they were, you know, a little better off than the average. And um, they, they, they asked me, and they were being judgmental and hateful, and I don't believe they're real Christians. They're not here anymore, so it ain't like I'm talking about you because uh, it was somebody else. Uh, might be in your heart, I don't know. But they said, Pastor Scott, why are so many people at Abundant Life so weird? I tried to play it off. I'm like, well, you know, you, you, you draw what's like. Yeah, I'm, I'm weird. They're weird too. He said, no, that's not what I'm talking about. He said, I've never been around so many cigarette smoking, uh, alcohol on their breath, having, showing up to church smelling like weed folk in my life. Uh, why, why is it that your, your crowd is, it has so many problems? And I told him, I said, look, let me say this to you. Your crowd and everybody else's crowd has the same number of problems. You're just dealing with polished people wearing suits and ties and dresses to church, and they know how to hide their dirt better than honest people who are just like, this is me. Can you help me? I am what I am. And we're not trying to fake it in front of you. Um, and that's why, I mean, I could stand, I could stand right here and, and, and do what they taught me to do in Bible college. And I refused. And the, the dude wanted to fail me in homiletics, which is the art of speaking, um, and because I wouldn't put on the, turn with me today to the book of Romans, chapter 3, as we examine the doctrine of sin. And all that fake talking and fake voice having, and all that does is breed fake people into pews. And guess what happens when some poor, hurting person that really needs a touch from God tries to show up and they're surrounded by a bunch of fake, phony, high-minded religious folk judging them, making them feel uncomfortable in church. God is not pleased. Hear me when I say this. Get your eyes off other people and get your life right. Stop worrying about what everybody else is going through. Ooh, I didn't know they smoked. Did you know you gossip? I didn't know that they was on weed. Uh, is it medical? 
Do they have a card for it? Uh, and even if they don't, uh, you, you're on uh, a little wine for your stomach's sake. I mean, where are we going to draw the line? The, the Bible says don't judge another man's servant. These people to be judged by God. Now, I ain't quoting Tupac because I believe he lived a great life, but he said something that could help you. Only God can what? Only God can judge me. And you need to get that in your mind. Only God is responsible for judging those people too. And before you go, no, the Bible says we should judge. Yeah, it says when you get your life all ironed out and perfect, then you step up into, yeah, well, I ain't met that person yet. So he said, go out and bring in hurting people. We need to look for people whose lives are a mess. Because you know what they know? They know they need help. Dude living behind the gate on the golf course community, driving a Maserati. He thinks he's all that in a bag of chips. He thinks his stuff don't stink. When the reality is he's got problems too. His wife's cheating on him with the golf pro up at the club. His kids hate him. Because he, 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 you know, too busy making money to spend time with, never throw a ball in the backyard with a kid. You, you go to the park. Go, go, go to the park and find out which dads are doing most of the coaching. It's the poor dads. Why? Because the rich dad too busy traveling to make money, working day and night to make money. You go out and you invite hurting people. They know they need God. Anybody in the room know they need the Lord this morning? When you know that you got problems and you have somebody let you know God can help you. They got a good chance of coming. I've said it before. I'll say it again before we get out of here. I don't believe it's hard to get people to want to be saved. I really don't. But it is hard to get people to admit they're lost. The reason most people don't come to get, they just don't believe that they're lost. I, I never thought that what people would ask me, you really think God wants you selling drugs? I had a quick response. Everybody's doing something. You ain't perfect either. Uh, I had no guilt. I had no shame. I had no conscience about it. I just... If people would have said, you're going to go to hell for that, I'd be like, well, you'll be there too. You, you, it's, it's not hard to get people to get saved once they realize that their life is busted. Once they realize that they're drowning in sin, but the only time they call out for a Savior. Verse 22 says, And the servant said, Lord, it is done as thou hast commanded, and yet there is room. They invited, still room. They brought some people, still room. Verse 23 Jesus said, the Lord said to the servant, go out into the highways and hedges and compel them to come in, that my house may be filled. Compel them, say compel. Now, this Greek word compel, uh, and I don't know, and I, I, I'm definitely not advocating uh, his, his way of life, but I, I, I'd be willing to think in my mind that uh, Malcolm X probably used his most quoted phrase, based off the meaning of this Greek word. Do you know uh, compel literally means by any what? By any means necessary. That's what compel means. You go out and drag them in. You go out and bribe them in. You go out and promise them lunch. You go out and tell them they owe you. You go out and tell them who was there for you, uh, who, who lied to the cops. You tell them whatever you have to tell them. Compelling is not just inviting. Compelling is not just bringing. Compelling means whatever you have. If you got to say, I'll buy you lunch. If you don't have money, see me. You bring a visitor to church because you promised to to buy them lunch, and I'll give you the money to take them to lunch out of my pocket. Not off the church dollar, off my dollar. Because we need to be doing what God told us to do. We all want to get to heaven when we die. 
But who wants to do what God said to do? He said, go out and compel them to come in. So here's the punchline, and we're done. God wants his house to be full, and we're commanded to invite people. But we got to go one step beyond that. we gotta, we got to go from inviting to bringing. Many times when Jesus commended people for how strong their faith was, it wasn't for what they were believing for themselves. It was their faith believing for someone else. Think about the four guys who carried their sick friend to where Jesus was. They couldn't get him and his cot in because of people standing in the doorway. They climbed up on the roof, hoisted this brother up on the roof, cut a hole in the roof, lowered him down on a rope right where Jesus was. And Jesus said, that's some real faith right there. You, you, you believe I can heal this man so much that you're willing to rip this dude's roof off? And I don't recommend that. We got doors. But when you stand in faith for somebody else, God moves. Think about the expectation you would have if you went and picked somebody up next Sunday and you brought them and you cared about them and you knew they ain't saved for sure. If, or even if they are saved and you know they're going through some stuff and they need a touch from God. Think about the expectation you would have for them. I can remember, I got saved July 15, 1981. It wasn't shortly after that that my sister got saved, and then we went to tag teaming Mimi. And she wasn't Mimi back then. She was just old red. She was just a red-headed spitfire of a woman, uh, just, just full of spit and vinegar, and she was going to do what she was going to do. When she was 37 years old, the doctor told her she already had uh, emphysema in her lungs, and if she didn't quit smoking, she was going to die. She said, I'll die happy with a cigarette in my hand. She didn't care about what she didn't care about. Is that, is that, don't cough now, mama. Is that right or wrong? <laughs> hey, is that, is that true or false? <laughs> Me and my sister sitting right next to my mama, we start tag teaming on mom. Oh, we start going in. We started, and boy, I'm going to tell you this. If you, got, if you got a parent that ain't saved and you get saved and you try to tell them about Jesus, well, I hope they don't go in on you like she went. She told us, you snot-nosed little brats, you arrogant children. Who do you think I took you to church when you're four days old, put you in a little white dress? Catholics. Hey, had you Christian, you in church the first week, you, who do you think? And she, I was a Christian before you was even, and she just was not. Here, but we didn't stop. We kept going because we were going to church five days a week back then. And my mom, my mom literally thought that they had brainwashed us. She called the church and said, what are y'all done to my son? Nobody goes to church that much. And instead of being thankful that I wasn't selling drugs, doing drugs in her house, being drunk in her house, um, telling her no in her house, uh, she should have been, you know, whatever they, y'all doing to him, keep doing. No, she was like, y'all done did something to my children. I want to know what it is. We're tag teaming on her. Come on, go to church with us, mama. Come on, you need to be saved. She wasn't trying to hear that. But one day, she showed up to church. And I'm going to tell you this. How was your expectation up, Dina? When mom finally made a church service, were you sitting there hoping, just prayed the whole service because... We, we wanted our mom, our faith was high. Uh, well, my faith kind of took a dip because we got there. Um, I know you remember this guy, Connie. Connie grew up in the same church that we were in, and uh, our pastor wasn't there. And a lot of people are like, oh, I wish the pastor was here when they, when they bring Listen, the word's the word no matter who's preaching, okay? Um, and nobody preaches longer than me, so hope when your friend comes, somebody preaching other than me. But... 
I walked in, and I'm thinking, oh, man, this is going to be great. God's going to save my mom. God's going to save my mom. We've been praying about this every day, constant, nonstop, praying about this. Uh, And she finally agreed months later to shut us up and come to church, and the preacher wasn't there. And I'm like, man, what little slack jaw they going to have to get up there and ruin my mama's salvation today? And that's wrong because God is responsible, yeah? Connie Johnson, guy about this tall, old dude, white hair, feeble. And I thought, oh, Connie Johnson, no, you got to be kidding me, man. Go find a bus driver to preach. <laughs> Connie Johnson. And I, you know, I I'm still ain't all the way there, but I wasn't really even close to there at that point. Um, and this man, he stood up, and whatever he said, God used him. And when that invitation came, my mom stepped out from her pew, and she walked up to the front, and me and my sister went. (laughs) Dina started crying, and I started crying. And my mom, who was probably 38, 39 at the time, um, in front of a room full of people at Hillcrest Baptist Church on the corner of Plymouth and LaBelle right off Cassett Avenue, She prayed to receive Jesus Christ and told everybody she gave her life to the Lord, just like you did last week. I got to see my mama do that uh, 40-plus years ago. And when you got somebody in the room that you want to get saved, how many of y'all know expectation takes on a whole new meaning? How many of y'all glad that my mama finally came to church and gave her heart to the Lord? I see some of y'all. Because when somebody comes, receives Christ at Abundant Life, I typically say, come on, let's, let's celebrate. And some people are like, and then that's when I got to roll back into my preacher mindset and say, oh, come on, if that was your husband right now, you sure be. If that was your girlfriend right now, or if that was your child right now, and then they realize, oh, it is a big deal. It's a big deal. The, the Bible says there's rejoicing in heaven over just one sinner that comes to repent. Well, that day was my mama's day to come, and here's what I want you to live toward. I want you to start inviting more people. And if they don't come, I want you to bring them. And if they don't come, even if you offer to bring them, I want you to compel them by any means necessary. The church can't save you, and Scott Becker can't save you. Walking in an aisle praying a prayer can't save you. But if you, if you bring somebody to a Bible-teaching church, the God of the Bible is able to reach down from heaven and tug on their heartstrings and let them know, I love you, and I have a plan for you. And they can respond by faith to that. We've got to start doing a better job of getting people to come here. April 9th, in five weeks. Come on, Victor, play something for me. In five weeks, it'll be April 9th. Sunday, April 9th is Easter. We don't do big promotions. We don't do big promotions. for. We don't take out advertisements. We don't put ads on the radio. We don't, we don't mail out stuff. Um, because to me, Easter's not the only day I think about the resurrection of the Lord. Every day ought to be celebrated. See, Easter is designed to celebrate the resurrection of Jesus Christ. It got nothing to do with the Easter bunny and chocolate candy. Although, I, you see, they should sell that year-round. What, what, hey, you want a million-dollar idea? I'll give you one. Knock off the recipe for Peeps and start selling that in Winn-Dixie year-round. Y'all don't know about Peeps. Knock off the recipe for that Easter bunny with the hollow ears. Let me tell all you amateur candy eaters, if you don't start with the ears, you're eating that bunny wrong. 
ain't mad at candy. You can look at me and tell I ate a lot of candy. I don't care about the Easter Bunny. I don't care about people's tradition. But we celebrate God every week. So we don't go out of our way. Um, but sometimes we try to encourage you. Because here's what I know. And this is statistical and this is actual and factual. People will come to church on Easter that, wouldn't, that don't care anything about the Lord. How many of y'all know God can sneak them? They show up thinking one way, I'm going to sit through this, just get this dude off my back. And then God just grabbed their heart, pour his love out on them, and change them from the inside out. It's a fact. People will come to church on Easter. you got a built-in excuse to bring people. And I'm, I'm going to add to it. I'm going to help you right now. Not only is April 9th, five weeks from now, not only is April 9th Easter, but for our church, it's bring a friend to church day. And you just need to go tell everybody, uh, church I'm going to, pastor says bring a friend day, and he's going to call me out if I don't have a friend. You're the only friend I got. You show up with me. And you compel them by any means necessary. We're going to do something that, that is going to help you. We do it year-round. Uh, we've got these cards right here. Uh, inviting people to church. Got a map on the back. Got our service times on the back. Pay a lot of money for these sizzle cards. Um, we make these available. I want you to come get some uh, before you leave this place today. Um, another thing we've got, we've got a whole box of these cards right here. This is easier to put in your pocket. You can put this in your wallet. You can put this in your purse. You can walk around, uh, and you can put these under. Now, it may be against the law. I'm not going to say. I'm not a lawyer. You can put this under a windshield of every car. Uh, my sister's like, yeah, I know. They'll end up on the ground. But I want you to take one of these cards, and I want you to give it to somebody. Um, here, here's, here's what I'm going to do. After the service, I want the deacons and elders to stand up front, and I want you to come by, and I want you to tell them how many of these cards you want. And I'm going to ask you to take at least one. I want everybody, if you're willing to, eh, don't do it if you're just going to throw it away. We paid for these. Um, but it, it tells them, uh, you, it's funny. Uh, my sister, she's our graphic artist. She, she put a little uh, social media thing. You have a friend request up top. And it says, please be my guest this Easter to Abundant Life. And it's well done. It's well laid out. It's got the times. It's got the map on there. Tells them where to be and how to get here. And you might not be a great talker. You might not know two Bible verses. But you can hand somebody a card and say, hey, will you be my friend? Man, you, you're the only dude I got come to church with me on Easter because pastor told everybody it's bring a friend day and you got a friend request I want you to get at least one of these before you leave today and I want you to ask God who should you give your invitation to because if we really believe that there's a heaven to gain and a hell to shun don't you want your family and friends to go to heaven don't you want to see people make heaven coming to church won't get you to heaven but if they come to church it's a good place to find God we're going to make sure that we invite everybody. Maybe you're here and you're not a Christian. Maybe you're here and none of this makes sense to you because you ain't saved yet. And listen, nobody's always been saved. The Bible says that to those who receive God, he gives them power to become Christians. I became a Christian on July 15, 1981. I don't know when you got saved. But if you're here and you have never been saved, I want you to know. You don't have to walk out, pray prayers. You don't have to join a church. You don't have to show up every time the doors are open. The Bible says if you'll confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, 
that you can be saved. See, everybody believes in Jesus. Our whole calendar is set up on this man, Jesus. It's the year 2023 based on the birth of Jesus Christ. Everything before that is B.C., before Christ. And so everybody believes in the historical account of Jesus, but everybody doesn't believe that God sent him to this earth to be the sacrifice for our sins and that God raised him from the dead after he died. That's why the Scripture says if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, if you believe Jesus was a real person and you believe that he died, was buried, and rose again on the third day, and you ask him to save you, the Bible says, whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. That's all you got to do. Maybe you tried it before. I tried it a bunch of times. I tried them bailout prayers. God, if you save me now, if you let me find favor uh, now. Um, I, I, I was facing some, some, some serious uh, penalties in... Um, St. Augustine Jail, and I was begging God, please give me mercy with this judge. I, I wasn't saved, but I was trying to make deal. I'm not talking about making a deal with God. I'm talking about being at a place in your life where you're ready to let go of who you've been and become who God created you to be. If you get to that place, the Bible says when you search for him with your whole heart, you'll find him. If you're here and you want to be saved, you don't have to shake my hand. You don't even have to talk to me. I'm not even going to lead you in a prayer today. But if you ask God to save you, I believe he will. And if you've got questions about it, come find me after church. Come find one of these leaders after church. We'll take as long as you need to share with you how you can have a personal relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. Pray with me. God, thank you for your word. Lord, I pray that you would help us to be brave enough to invite people to come. We believe that you're the only answer. And God, I ask that you would help us to have the courage to invite people to come. Even when they say no, Lord, let us bring them. And even if they don't come, Let us compel them to come in because you said that we need to do these things. We love you, God, and we ask you to help us love you and love each other the way we should. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening to the ALCF Sound Doctrine Podcast and visit us on the web at alcfnow.org. Your financial support for this ministry allows us to share the gospel around the world. Your support is greatly appreciated. If you would like to give a donation, please go to alcfnow.org. Abundant Life Christian Fellowship Church. Loving God, loving people.